Today we are saddling up because we are taking on the wild, wild west Marvel comic style. Yes, the western heroes from the Marvel catalog, Rawhide Kid, Kid Colt, Q-Gun Kid, Knight Rider. Do you not know who they are? You're going to by the end of this show. You're going to discover all of the tiny little Easter eggs that are left in the history of these characters. Did you know that the first time that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby worked together at Marvel Comics, it wasn't Fantastic Four? Find out which western cowboy marvel hero it was today also did you know that uncle ben there's an uncle ben in these in these cowboys history and it predates spider-man yes one of our heroes is motivated by the fate of an uncle ben i love these marvel cowboys i hope you do too today we're gonna uh do a deep dive into the history of marvel's proud uh cowboy icons and i hope you enjoy it today on an all-new observations And welcome everyone to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. We are back at it today because everything pop culture is comic books. Everything comic books is pop culture. Would we have it any other way? We would not. Of course we wouldn't. Uh, today we are going to uh, get right into it. And, uh, and, and this episode is going to take place uh, on, on the open range, if, if you will. Uh, discussing the wild, wild west of a certain publisher's vast catalog of most excellent Western Western characters, Western heroes. And that is none other than the Marvel comic book Western heroes. There's a lot of Western heroes in comics. Uh, there's a lot of Western heroes, period. Um, especially, you know, growing up uh, in, in my youth and in so many youths, and you, and, and you look at those black and white photographs, yes. There was, there was not color photography. Why do you think there was, you know, black and white TVs? Everything was black and white. They couldn't figure out color. Color was so expensive. So much of my, uh, so many pictures of me, myself, in my youth, uh, it, growing up is, is, is black and white photos of me and my folks, my sister. And, uh, and in, in many of those pictures, and if you have a, a dad who is of around my age or older, chances are they're going to have black and white photos of themselves too in cowboy uh, uh, gear, uh, a holster, pistols, some sort of cowboy hat, maybe cowboy boots, maybe chaps. Um, prior to sci-fi taking over, Cowboys was the the domain of kind of film and television. Uh, you, you've seen Tarantino uh, depicted in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that so many of the roles that the character that uh, that, that Leonardo DiCaprio was playing, I believe his name is Rick Dalton. I think that that, that all the you know, big roles, most of the big roles, if they weren't FBI, they were Western, you know, Western parts. And of course the big showpiece of the, of the, of the show is him in, in a Western show and growing up, uh, between television and movies, Westerns ruled the day. I mean, between John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, holy crap is there. That's a lot of ground, you know, covered from John Wayne, black and white, John Wayne, pictures to color, you know, John Wayne to Sam Peckinpah to Clint Eastwood. In recent times, of course, we are, uh, and by recent times, I mean in the last year, we have seen the rise and we've talked often 
of the rise of uh, Taylor Sheridan and his very Western-themed catalog. Yellowstone has caught on in its fourth season and blew up, just absolutely exploded in popularity, becoming the number one show on television on a cable network. We haven't seen anything like that since Walking Dead, which in my estimation, and I remember telling Robert Kirkman this early on, and of course he's like, well, of course it is. I, of course I know this. I, I did this. This is you know, him referring to me. I said, the thing I love about Walking Dead, and, and of course that first cover, his own version of Rick uh, had a cowboy hat on and looks like a cowboy. And and Walking Dead is like a apocalyptic Western. And it's the one thing to me that always set it apart, mostly uh, from from any of the Romero stuff, uh, was that it, you know, that, that, that stuff with Rick on a horse, you know, like a cowboy and, and a new wild, wild West, except, you know, instead of the dangerous Indians uh, and Indian lands that, that so many of the Western, you know, spectacles depicted, it's zombies. It's, it's zombies. Oh my gosh. We, we may come across a, a, you know, a pack of zombies, a horde of zombies. And and, and instead of, you know, warring uh, Indian nations that are so often portrayed in so much of this cowboy stuff because honestly you know I mean it feels weird to say now but again I I always lean into the fact that this stuff happened and we can't be ashamed to talk of the past and in the past no matter how un PC it was growing up in the late 60s all the way through the 70s cowboys and Indians was a big deal uh during this this period of my my formative youth again the big shows that were on television were uh, Gunsmoke uh, with Marshall Dillon, ran for 20 seasons, one of the longest running, if at the, not at the time, the longest running live action television show ever. And uh, Gunsmoke, I mean, Burt Reynolds, all manner of different uh, future superstars had key roles on Gunsmoke, but Gunsmoke really uh, dwelled on the adventures of Marshall Dillon and all his friends in, in the town. And uh, I have watched, I think, almost every single episode because again there's a dedicated western channel out here on the west coast it's called the IN, INSP inspirational channel um anyway they've got bonanza green uh bonanza big valley uh i think little house in the prairie gunsmoke how the west was won alias smith and jones rifleman all this stuff is the stuff that i saw when i was growing up i've talked about it on the show before on saturdays uh mainly because i do a lot of my drawing on saturday saturdays is a is a great time for me to draw. It always has been. I find tremendous peace in uh, getting at it early on a Saturday morning from eight o'clock to noon to one o'clock. And I will just have a Western, most likely Westerns I've seen before. Um, And again, you know, Mr. Macho himself, Lee Majors came out of, you know, uh, Big Valley uh, as the youngest adopted son. So, I mean, I, 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 and there's some crazy episodes of that show. I mean, literally, some of the stuff every every so often the western shows went into some weirdo territory um with either psychotic people that in, inhabited a uh, a ghost town and 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 put characters you know on trial in front of you know a jury of empty chairs I mean, some crazy stuff that i'm watching but again westerns it always is solved but solved almost always by how fast on the draw you are versus the other guy on how fast on the draw he is but there was always uh, the the warring Indian uh, culture that, I mean, obviously depicts somewhat honestly the travesty of how their lands were stolen and taken from them and also the anger and resentment that that created and the, you know, you're always going to hear no matter what 
which of these episodes that you turn on, you're going to hear a character, uh, either a white military character or a cowboy and an Indian talk about the, you know, anger versus the white man. In the late 70s, uh, James Arness starred in a adaptation of a famous movie classic, one that was actually invoked on the recent Academy Awards by Kevin Costner, who talked about one of the first movies he ever saw in the theater was called How the West Was Won. The big deal growing up was that ABC television was doing an adaptation, a miniseries, miniseries were a big deal, of How the West Was Won. And James Arness uh, starred as uh, Zeb McCahan. And he's a badass because James Arness, uh, you know, as Marshall Dillon in Gunsmoke and as Zeb McCahan, it's like 6'7". He's he's this giant dude. He's this absolute... um, gigantic dude and uh and 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 so his presence alone is always something to uh to pay attention to 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 pay attention to and uh he never he never seemed bigger to me than he did uh on how the west was won i don't know if they just cast him against so many more shorter people um or if 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 changing his he was more of a pioneer a mountain man not a sheriff anymore but the bottom line he is depicted throughout every Iteration because how the West was one became so popular they made a regular series about about it. It ran for three seasons following this miniseries, and uh, guys like Bruce Bruce Boxleitner, who you would come to know as uh, you know Scarecrow on Scarecrow and Mrs. King, he got his start on how the West was one, uh, and uh, all sorts of new names and and old were, were were featured in this. But so much of it was the struggle against the Indians, even. Um, before he re- reappeared as Khan in the Star Trek movies, a very buff, shirtless, uh, uh, very fit Ricardo Montalban played a chief of one of the uh, Indian nations that the uh, American military at the time was seeking to, you know, establish peaceful terms with. But of course, as with everything, everything goes south and it becomes, you know, it becomes a war between our military and the uh the Indian people along the way on how the West was won, you would meet the good quote unquote in quotes, good Indians, friendly Indians and the savage Indians. And again, this is not my writing. This is my, the depictions and how they were shown to us. And it is part of the Cowboys versus Indians culture that was so prominent, uh, during my youth following the success of how the West was won NBC rival network. NBC could not be outdone by ABC. And they did a like 11 week, two-hour movies, like 22 hours, called Centennial, based on a famous novel. And Centennial is tells the exact same thing of uh, pioneer men who came from Canada, uh, military men, every, I mean, literally, it, it, for a TV uh, miniseries, it was stacked with stars of film and TV of the past. And, and uh, uh, Richard Chamberlain, who would go on to be the king of miniseries with the Thornbirds and Shogun, uh, is in Bicentennial as a as a uh, a mountain man who who uh, you know marries uh, the widow of his other mountain man friend because he married into the Indian tribe and sired half breed children who then go on to form their own kind of warring party that we cover the the roots of this family. I mean, it literally ends up. Centennial starts in the Wild West and the last episode takes place in modern day in 1980 as a murder mystery that we saw happen in this Western uh, play out. 
So why am I dwelling all, on all this? Why am I t- taking up so much of your valuable time t- 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 telling you about all the Westerns that I enjoyed during this period? It was a ripe uh, period for for cowboys and, and mountain men and pioneers. And as I said, with all those hours of television, every show that I just said to you, Big Valley, Bonanza, Gunsmoke, uh, Alias Smith & Jones, Rifleman. I mean, these multiple season shows, three, four, five, 10, 20 seasons, you know, 20 plus episodes. I mean, there, there were competing Westerns all the time. So it does not make any, should not come as any surprise to you that Marvel Comics, Timely Comics prior to this, because Timely then pivots. And at one point there's Atlas Comics. You got to, you know, kind of get a roadmap for how these uh, companies kept shifting. But uh, they all did really prominent uh, Western characters. And my favorites were Rawhide Kid, Two-Gun Kid, Kid Colt, and Knight Rider. Um, and and uh, not Kit with the, with the not, not the automatic, the, the robot car, you know, with, with Baywatch guy. Not, not that Knight Rider. This was a guy who looked kind of like a ghost, like a phantom, and he rode his, rode his horse. And so uh, among these, uh, among these, Kid Colt is the, again, a cool Marvel character. He had kind of a spotted vest uh, or a spotted vest that was in a red shirt. That was always very, you know, I was able to pick that up as a kid again, because when I'm a kid and I'm buying all these comics off the spinner rack, what do you think is occupying all these other spots? It's not all Marvel comics. I mean, on my own spinner rack that I have here, I have. 11 slots on each side, four sides. I mean, 44 comics is, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of comics to fill in. At the time, Marvel and DC alone couldn't fill those just with superheroes. So, so much of them, we have never done like the the war, uh, you know, Sergeant Fury, Sergeant Rock. I haven't pivoted to that. Men at War. I mean, uh, all of the different, actually, DC had quite a few war comics. But today we're, we're d- dipping our toe a little bit for a little time for this opening into the Western heroes. And so, again, all genres were represented. We've talked about the monster age that Marvel entered into in the in the mid-70s with Frankenstein and the Mummy and Tomb of Dracula and uh, Werewolf by Night, which is where, obviously, you got Moon Knight. If you haven't listened to my Moon Knight podcast. It is the greatest compliment I was ever given. You know who you are. If you are listening, you are the biggest Moon Knight fan. You have marketed yourself as the biggest Moon Knight fan for years prior to this Oscar Isaacs show. And I was never prouder than when, um, you know, I, I puffed my chest out as big as that Captain America drawing I did uh, to, to with pride when the biggest Moon Knight fan I know said, Rob, I cannot believe everything I learned from your Moon Knight podcast. I always learned something new. And I was like, wow. And as far as learning something new, you are going to learn one interesting tidbit that you may not know today. But, and you're like, Rob, why are you talking about this? Look, I'm going to get back to you. Marvel has done supernatural stuff. They're doing it right now. Moon Knight feels supernatural. The first episode I really liked, it seemed very much like an indie production. It's um, a little riskier, a little edgier. I loved it. Now my, my, my family that watched it with me, uh, were not as um, they, they, they did not <laughs> they did not accept the information uh, as simply as I did. They were a little confused. But you know they're going to come back and hopefully keep watching it with me. But it's a big swing. It's a big swing. It's a big risk. It's awesome. It's nice to see. Um, it didn't feel safe. It, it felt like you know you have to you have to do a little work. I like when entertainment, comic books, novels, you know, television or 
movies make me do a little work. So I didn't mind putting the work in. I didn't mind it at all. I thought I thought this is really um, interesting. But it, it, it falls into the supernatural. They've definitely, WandaVision was, I mean, I know it wasn't supposed to be their launch show, but it turned out that way because of the pandemic and all the delays. But WandaVision was another huge, big swing. It was risky, uh, and it paid off, and it was cool. Um Eventually, I do believe they're going to dip their toe. I don't know if it's 10 years from now, five years from now, two years from now. We're going to see some of these characters in this catalog come to life. I guarantee it. So I've kind of just staked everything I I know on this. I've just given you a guarantee that what I'm talking about will uh, make it to, I believe, a Disney Plus show. And it will make all the sense in the world. It, it would be great if it was a little edgier because, like I said, the Taylor Sheridan Yellowstone and 1883 model is right there. It's right there. And what they are doing on 1883 can be replicated, I believe, with some of these amazing Marvel Cowboys. The Marvel Wild West was fantastic. Now, Kid Colt is the longest running with his, again, red shirt and his spotted vest, white, black and white spotted vest. He is actually, uh, you know, the, the kind of the longest running American comic book cowboy. He ran in Original Adventures for over uh, 30 years, if you believe what they are selling you. No, I do. Um, 31 years, 1948-79. You know, I guess in 1966, there's a ton of these as reprints, but Kid Colt Outlaw uh, appeared in All Western Winners, Wild Western, Gunsmoke Western, Mighty Marvel Western. So I have a bunch of these. And I was flipping through them the other day, and again, like so much, so much of what I loved, I loved more so because of how the art, you know, appeared. For the longest time, Two-Gun Kid was my favorite. I thought he looked cool. Cool. He had kind of a tan vest and a mask like Lone Ranger. And I love Lone Ranger because I've left Lone Ranger out. Lone Ranger was already in every day, like seven days a week, like, like reprints with Lone Ranger and Tonto. And again, these are the representations of the Indian uh, culture and tribes that kids like myself were receiving. Um, obviously, you've seen Last of the Mohicans. I saw the original Last of the Mohicans. It was on TV all the time. I loved it. And then when Daniel Day-Lewis remade it, it was my favorite and remains. It's in my top 10 movies of all time. It is a fantastic piece of cinema, and I love the conflict that is in the character of Hawkeye as depicted in that movie more than any other. But uh, it was it was Rawhide Kid that I ultimately uh, favored the most. And I'm going to tell you something about Rawhide Kid right now and why Rawhide Kid shares a whole lot with uh, with Spider-Man. And and uh, you're like, Spider-Man, yes, just hang with me here. And, and, and in case you did not know, here's a tidbit that you can, uh, you know, chew on. Just like that horse is chewing on that grass on the on on the plains, okay? Because we're just we're just keeping it cowboy today. I, you're just lucky I haven't said y'all yet, but I I just did so that I, I screwed that up. I said y'all. Um, Rawhide kid on the back of this collection it says, "Take a trip back in time to Marvel's wild wild west. Relive those thrilling tales of yesteryear in which courage, courageous young Johnny Bart from the town of Rawhide took on the task of taming the unruliest badlands this side of Willow Flats." Watch as the kid, armed with his two trusty Colt six-shooters, encounters villainous varmints as the Bat, Mr. Lightning, and Wolf Wacko hop on board the wagon train and follow along as the Rawhide Kid delivers thrills faster than Willie Lumpkin's Pony Express. Okay, 
So, Rawhide Kid is the first Marvel, Marvel collaboration between Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, predating Fantastic Four by nearly two years. They combined uh, to, to reboot this, this new version of the Rawhide Kid. Rawhide Kid had been around, again, between Timely and Atlas Comics. I'm losing my way here. Um, Rawhide Kid had already had a, a publication history. Uh, but, but they decided to give it a new facelift and to, uh, they had decided to, um, you know, bring him back because in the fifties, Rawhide Kid again was from Atlas Comics and, uh, it ran 16 plus issues, but in the, in sixties, in the sixties, in 1960, okay. Stanley teams with Jack Kirby. Marvel doesn't really have an identity yet. And they introduce us to a new kind of rebooted vision of uh, of this cowboy kid, rawhide kid. And Johnny Bart has an uncle. His uncle is the biggest gun in town. His uncle is the sheriff. His uncle, wait for it, is Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben, everybody. Uncle Ben, uh policed the folks of Rawhide. And uh, his his Uncle Ben was an ex-Texas Ranger, and he was part of the law, okay? And he is teaching his young nephew uh, how, to, how to handle guns and be a cowboy, be a gunfighter. You know, on, the, on page two, panel, panel four, he's like, remember, Johnny, never snap a trigger. You squeeze it gently like this. This way the gun won't jump in your hand. I'll never forget Uncle Ben, says Johnny Bart. He goes, here, Johnny boy, you try it for a spell. I was hoping you'd ask me, Uncle Ben. This is some of, you know, obviously Stan's finest scripting work. Um, it was a sight few would have believed possible in the hands of a 14-year-old boy. Boom, rawhide kid. Emphasis on the kid. Emphasis on the kid is 14 years old. The gun seemed like a living thing. So his, you know, his uncle, Uncle Ben, is impressed. Wow, little 14-year-old Johnny Bart. He's got a good handle on that pistol already. And then he and he shows how fast that he can sw- he can he can shift from the left to the right. He's just tossing this gun back and forth, showing his uncle. And his uncle says, "Good boy." <laughs> and then after after Johnny shoots every can off the post, his uncle gathers him up and says, "Good shooting, boy. I'm right proud of you, Johnny." Right, so again, we're getting we're getting some of the finest scripting work you're ever gonna hope to hear. Yes, I'm having fun with this. Um, you still need a mite, M-I-T-E, a mite more practice, boy. This bullet hole here is off center, so he's singling out one can, telling him, "Come on," and he says, "Sorry, Uncle Ben, I reckon I jerked the trigger instead of squeezing it like you've been telling me." You guys, you can't write this stuff. I'm gonna say it again. Do you think I'm having a fun time today? Because I am. I'm gonna say it again. Sorry, Uncle Ben, I reckon I jerked the trigger instead of squeezing it like you been telling me. Now, there's part of me that does wonder if it was said like this. Sorry, Uncle Ben, I reckon I jerked the trigger instead of squeezing it like you been telling me. That's maybe how it would have been performed on an episode of Bonanza or Big Valley. Anyway, it dictates how uh, Uncle Ben... Texas Ranger takes Johnny under his wing. This is in a giant paragraph. They don't show this. It's a giant caption dump. And uh, 
makes him into a real lawman himself, a real, real, real uh, excuse me, gunman. And then Uncle Ben says, Johnny, I've taught you all I can. I reckon you're the most twice. Yeah, I said that. <clears throat> I reckon you're the most twice as good as I ever was. I hope you never, yeah, Y-U-H, never have to use that gun. I never will, Uncle Ben, unless it's for self-defense. Then the ominous caption, but little did Johnny Bart suspect how soon he'd be using those magic Colts of his. Bum, bum, bum. All right, so here, here's the deal. A couple of hombres, a couple of uh, uh, outlaws coming to town. And let me tell you something. They have a showdown with uh, Uncle Bart. I'm just going to tell you. I mean, I'm sorry, Uncle Ben right here. And they, they ambush him and they kill him. They kill him. And then uh, one guy goes, I told you, Y-U-H, it wouldn't fail. Now all we got to do is go into town and tell everyone, you shot Ben Bart. Got another caption dump coming here. Under the unblinking Texas sun, the deed had been done. Cowardly and shameful deed as you can ever find in the history of the West. But both Hawk and Spade, these are our criminals, had reckoned without had had reckoned without one thing. They hadn't realized how dangerous the fury of, wait, 18-year-old, it's been four years, Johnny has aged from page two to page five. 18-year-old Johnny Bart, That how, how dangerous the fury of an 18-year-old boy, a boy named Johnny Bart, shows Johnny burying his uncle. I'm going to get him, Uncle Ben. I swear I'll never rest until I paid you back. So pretty great that Uncle Ben um, is... Uh, you know, killed in both Spider-Man and Rawhide Kid, and and used as semi the uh, the the thrust for their motivations. Okay, come on, you never knew that. You didn't know that that Stan Lee's first Uncle Ben and his first collaboration at, under the Marvel banner with Jack Kirby was this cowboy Rawhide Kid two years before Fantastic Four. Says, uh, you know, Johnny uh, Johnny Bart goes into town looking for these guys. I'm going to cut this short for you. He absolutely faces off with them. And because he handles the guns so well, he even shoots one of the guys behind. But the comics code was such, you can't be killing people. You can't be killing people. So he shot them down and they're crawling in the saloon. He comes into the saloon when, he's, when he uh, confronts them. And they uh, they say, no, no, don't shoot us again. We confess, we tricked your uncle. Y-O-R-E, your. We admit it. Another guy goes, yeah, it wasn't W-U-Z-N-T. A fair fight. Wasn't no fair fight. We jumped him. Don't shoot us. Then the townspeople crowd around. Rawhide kid says, no need for you to shoot him, son. We'll take him to the marshal at county and he'll judge him. Yeah, they'll get what's coming to him, Johnny. You're better to go home and try to put things in order. And Johnny says, I'll never go home again. Without Ben Bart. The spread here means nothing to me. Ben gave me one thing, the best training with guns any man's ever had. I'm going to use that training to fight Jaspers like Hawk and Spade wherever I can. No matter what the odds, I'll make sure no one ever forgets Ben Bart or what happened here. I'll call myself Rawhide Kid, and every time men hear of me, they'll remember Rawhide. They'll remember where it all started again. Remember, the town is Rawhide. And so Rawhide Kid was born, and another part of the West was begun. Okay. This bad boy is, uh, that's it. That's, that's an eight page story there. Okay. You guys, uh, you know, quick origin sets up 
Now, why do I love the Rawhide Kid? Because Jack Kirby drew about 30 issues. And uh, again, you, 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 you look at a storyteller and Jack drew covered wagons. He drew horses. He drew Indian reservations. He drew all manner of towns. And the stuff looks fantastic. The interesting thing is in the fourth appearance of the Rawhide Kid, they, they realized they had a dilemma. Just him riding in and fighting people all the time wasn't good enough. So in his fourth appearance, the Rawhide Kid becomes an outlaw. And it's even said, the story of when Rawhide Kid turned, huge logo, outlaw. Sometimes an adventure is a long time building up and sometimes it hits you with the force of a rattler strike. Such was the way the ambush at Arrowhead Pass began. Without warning, one minute the Rawhide Kid was clearly jogging into town and then the next instant it was danger. It starts with him being held up and he uh, tries to get away, ride away from this posse of guys who are trying to take him down. And then finally, it sees that in self-defense, we know that the Rawhide Kid is defending him against this bad guy, and he shoots him. And 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 it's bloodless, but there's like an explosion in the guy's midsection where he's shooting him. But a sheriff is riding up as he does it, and he says, I saw that kid. You had no right to shoot him. You didn't have. You didn't give him a chance. All gunslingers like you, you're the same. You'd rather shoot than eat. And Rawhide Kid's like, Sheriff? And he's like, I'm taking him in. And uh, Rawhide Kid gets on his horse, runs away at the end of this story, this fourth appearance, and says, let's go, Nightwind, ride. No one's taking me in. If I have to live the life of an outlaw forever, no one will ever hold me. So now, I think it's a good call. Because now it's alias Smith and Jones. It's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Every every single Rawhide Kid story from here on in, and I'm not kidding you, every single one begins with him going, I wonder if I'm going to be recognized. And people going, hey, you look familiar. Because now he's a wanted outlaw. So the Rawhide Kid, 30 issues uh, under Jack Kirby, uh, occasionally, yeah, Jack Davis. Yes, the Mad Magazine Jack Davis. He drew a hell of a Western story. He uh, he comes in, he does uh, additional issues. Um, I've got older issues of Kid Colt, Two-Gun Kid, Knight Rider. I loved all of them, but Ride Kid, uh, I thought, look, he's all in black, dressed all in black, a little, little more ominous. Um, kind of, was as I was a kid, I got more Rawhide Kid than I did Kid Colt and Two-Gun Kid, no matter what, how I liked them all. I just really enjoyed the, the 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 thing with the rawhide kid is because he's still a kid, whether he's eighteen or twenty, he's constantly underestimated by every single opponent he comes up against, and always has to outthink, but eventually outshoot his way out of these dilemmas across the wild wild west. So rawhide kid, love it. Wish that he would become part of the. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see a uh, a Marvel. Uh, adaptation, maybe not just him, maybe the two-gun kid, maybe Kid Colt, maybe Knight Rider, bring them together, make it a Western version of the Avengers. Of course, I'm going to touch on that real quick here. I know they brought the Rawhide Kid in the, back in the early 2000s, uh, I think 2002, 2003, uh, a couple iterations, a couple different, maybe 2010, 2011, they, they brought him back. I think those revivals were not as successful as Marvel had wanted them to be. You guys know me from watching this show. I tend to really stick around with the original material, uh, go with what the original creators, the intent was. And in this case, with the Rawhide Kid, you can, you're not going to do better than these Lee and Kirby books to me. And um, I just feel that Marvel, with all of its vast resources, could give us possibly the best, most exciting Western stories because 
they're in the catalog, just like their supernatural characters are in the catalog, like their cosmic characters are in the catalog. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, I just read an interview with Oscar Isaac today, and he was like, we were just so happy when we made Moon Knight, we didn't feel like we had pressure. He, he says it wasn't, and the director of Moon Knight, in this interview with Daily Variety, said, you know, it's like with Guardians of the Galaxy, nobody knew who these characters were. And I know for a fact, I, I feel Fox told me, they felt like, you know, they would tell me, that Deadpool was a C or a D list character. There's there's less pressure when you feel like not everyone is going to judge the outcome. And what, no matter how popular Moon Knight was, and he was, and I've covered in my podcast how how well he he was outselling Batman at Marvel. He was outselling Batman. But now you're reading people that go, ah, he's not a big character. Well, it's true. My family didn't know who he was. Not until Oscar Isaacs becomes the face behind him, and you've got the big money spent, the big you know introduction, the big awareness. My comics sold millions of comics, but I know that there's public people in the public go, I don't know what a young boat is, a prophet, a brigade, but they will as they get made into different live action, animated features, shorts, uh, uh, streaming. And uh, the thing is that when it came to, you know, bringing Moon Knight to life, they felt like they didn't have any pressure. And Oscar Isaac was like, you know, I don't, I don't feel the pressure with this character as if I was portraying a Batman or a Superman. It's, it's, we, we, they, they felt more of a liberty that they could take, making it a little more edgy, like I said, and a little avant-garde and, and, and straight up a little strange, which I dig. But I'm not sure. I, I feel like with the Moon Knight television show, they chose the most difficult path to give them to give us this character, the most difficult path is the most artsy form of giving it to us. I'm here for it. I'm all for it. I dig it. But again, it's a little bit more of a climb than maybe the most, an easier way of introducing Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, and the 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 shadow of Moon Knight to us. Given that, the reason I'm bringing this up, I can totally see them deciding we can fill this 1883, this Yellowstone uh, uh, space. As, as people, you're reading more and more about Westerns, I do wonder, I mean, if it's not a logical next step for them to, whether it's Kid Colt, Rawhide Kid, Two-Gun Kid, they're all gunslingers. They all very much share a, a learned experience. Um, you know, the 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 character of Two-Gun Kid was, there's two iterations of him. Uh, there's the pre-kind of Marvel iteration of him, and then there's the Marvel iteration of him. And what I mean by that is... Uh, Two-Gun Kid, originally in 1948, 1949, he was uh, Clay Harder. Later on, they made him, you know, uh, I think his name was Matthew Hawk, and, uh, or Matt Hawk, and uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, character and the motivations changed. Even Matt Hawk even refers to the Two-Gun Kid character portrayed by Clay Harder as a, a, a product of, 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 of a like dime store adventures, like novels. And so he's now embodying two gun kid. Whereas, um, you know, again, whereas Clay Harder was the longer running prior two gun kid character. Again, very much looking like the Lone Ranger with the Lone Ranger mask. Uh, when Matt Hawk, who I believe is a lawyer, I'm a lawyer. Uh, Matt Hawk, uh, you know, is 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 a uh, is a guy who becomes you know is a uh, is an attorney inspired to fight evil as a crime fighter, and again learns you know from kind of a 
how we say, um, uh, uh, his version of stick, his Yoda is a guy named Ben Dancer. And, uh, and, and, and he becomes, you know, two gun kid. Again, these guys all have kind of similar origins, but I am telling you that a wild West Marvel show is something that I think would be very exciting. It, they have a large catalog. I think there would be great licensing. It is something that I can see being announced any day now because, again, 1883 and Yellowstone are grabbing so many eyeballs. Just like Walking Dead before it did, launched huge, only built and got bigger. Until now, Walking Dead is this giant, iconic, you know, it, it, it's an iconic uh, property show, comic book. And, and uh, I mean, it could run longer than Gunsmoke, which, again, for... Forever. How many shows do you know ran 20 seasons? So 1883 with its very R-rated, which I do prefer that I wish that they would um, do something more along that lines. Although I believe it is a much, it is a very under-heralded sh- movie. It, um, it, 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 it was kind of brushed aside. Um, it's got all sorts of baggage now because it stars Arnie Hammer and Johnny Depp's portrayal of, of Tonto. And, but Jerry, Bru- though Jerry Bruckheimer uh, produced Lone Ranger film is a blast. It's a it's a really fun time. I I love it. It's 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 one of my favorite movies of the last 10 15 years. I watched it you know repeatedly. I think it's extremely well done. Some great action bits and un, unbelievable action bits. Some some really uh just terrific uh it's it's really really good filmmaking. It just fell under the pall of just bad reviews. People, I don't know if it was too long. I don't know why the audience disconnect wasn't there. Um, again, I'm always going to base it on, you know, going and seeing it with my own family. A little little aside there, when I eventually did get around to seeing it with my entire family, it was the Dollar Theater. So many of the nicer theaters here in Orange County in Southern California, uh, around 2012, 2011, 2013, they had all shifted to Dollar Theaters because... Some of them were the second Regal or the second AMC in the town. So what they did is they made them the second run. And so people were really, large families would wait three to four weeks until like something like a Lone Ranger would go from the first run dollar, you know, where where you're paying top dollar to see it, to if you could just wait it out, you could take your whole family. And that's probably why the showing that we went to in the giant, the, the biggest screen available in the Mall of Orange, okay, the Mall of Santa Ana Mall, excuse me, called Main Place. The first weekend, I mean, the longest lines to see Lone Ranger. Every seat packed, family, family, family. So by the time people did give it a chance, people really dug it. But out the gate, uh, Bruckheimer's, um, you know, Lone Ranger obviously put some stink, had some stink. But again, I take you back to Dances with Wolves. I take you back to Open Range, um, uh, uh, Silverado. The the 80s, 90s had fantastic westerns. the the uh, the Denzel Washington I believe it was the remake of the Magnificent Seven with Chris Pratt fun movie I, I it would be great to see Marvel step into this genre the final note is and this was really exciting to me because for a couple of years I had been exposed to these cowboys maybe even no maybe just six months and finally they banded together they all appeared together in a, in an issue of and I've covered this before but this is amazing the Avengers Kid Colt Two Gun Kid Rawhide Kid and Knight Rider are together on horseback confronting Hawkeye, Thor, and Moondragon who've traveled back in time to the Wild Wild West. This is like a storyline. The entire storyline is like 141 to issue 149 of the Avengers. It's a year-long storyline. They, I believe, come into uh, come into play in issue 142. But it is a blast. 
and on the cover by the uh, amazing Gil Kane. He's the cover uh, editor at the time, had come to fame on Green Lantern, on Daredevil, on The Atom. This amazing cover of them all stampeding down the main road of the western town and just the back of Moondragon, Thor with his hammer swung back, and Hawkeye are prepared to meet them, these four gun four gunslingers, Marvel's Western heroes, Marvel's Western superstars. They're they're, you know, outstanding gunslingers are about to meet them. And uh, and as the story goes, they all do combine to take down Kang the Conqueror, the reason Thor and Hawkeye and Moondragon are in the Wild Wild West, in Marvel's West, is because they know that Kang the Conqueror, the time-traveling villain, has gone all the way back to the Wild West to launch his plan. And he has this futuristic citadel that they all have to, you know, uh, penetrate the defenses and get in and stop his plan. And it's great. It's it's awesome. There's a, there's a train robbery. There's, I mean, with Marvel's greatest Western heroes drawn by George... Perez. George Perez drew these issues. So a a and this was early on in his Avengers run. He was not yet a superstar, but to kids like me, we loved his art. It was bold. It was it was exciting. It was handsome. The characters were drawn so attractive and exciting and bold. And uh and so so you literally did get the Western version of the Avengers with four of their top cowboys all you know, teaming up together. They knew each other. They're familiar with each other. They're, they they come up with a plan that helps our Avengers. Then, at the end of this immediate story, Two-Gun Kid decides he's going to travel to the present day of the Avengers, which is 1976 by that time, with Hawkeye. And for years, for the next three years, he is appearing in the Avengers comic. And sometimes there was a amazing backup feature in Marvel Tales 100, which is a Spider-Man reprint book, a Marvel Tales 100, featured a backup story written by Mike Nasser, who was a Neil Adams uh, apprentice. It is such a beautiful story. Hawkeye, Two-Gun Kid, Battle the Purple Man. It's a bizarre, wacko, beautifully Terry Austin inks it so you know it looks beautiful Mike Nasser drawing like Neil Adams inked by Terry Austin gorgeous story but the two-gun kid was just popping up all over the modern Marvel West at the time and it was exciting he eventually is a product of this giant saga involving this uh, it's it's my favorite Avenger story I've covered it here on the podcast Korvac it's one of the top Avenger story of all time uh two-gun kid is sent back to his own time and he returns and then, of course, goes back to being a major Marvel Western character. But that period of time where they appeared together in the Avengers and then Two-Gun Kid coming and being alongside Hawkeye in the present was just a blast. It was such a good time. And it was further giving the spotlight to these characters who, to be honest, just like the TV and the movies were, were starting to carry less and less cowboys, so was Marvel. And so the Marvel Western heroes by the late 70s had cycled through. Their titles, which were mostly made up of reprints, no longer new adventures, always with a brand new killer cover by some spectacular artist, but, you know, to, to enhance the package. But bottom line, uh, the, the, the Marvel characters kind of got dialed down for a very long time. Again, Rawhide Kid was rebooted a couple times in the 2000s. Uh, I don't think those went over in, in, and found the success that they were hoping to have with them. Uh, I think there was, you know, maybe even in more recent years, they revisited some of these characters in one shots and specials. But I am telling you that with the current climate right now, with 1883, with Yellowstone, with everything's going on, with this entire kind of Taylor Sheridan vibe that's out there, and we're going to see a lot more of it. Um, 
Mar these Marvel heroes uh, who were, I mean, long running, long running, 30 years for Kid Colt, okay? These are great. Imagine, uh, and, and just imagine all the fun stuff that Marvel could do. Hey, maybe maybe a cowboy drops out in, into the modern uh, present world in, in, in an upcoming, you know, portal that, that Marvel happens to open. I, I mean, I'm spitballing. I don't know anything. I know, I, I do not know of any plans that they have for their Marvel Western catalog, but it is vast. There are several Marvel Masterworks uh, that you can buy. There are the um, Essentials that reprint this stuff in black and white that I love to look at. Uh, I, I On my flight to uh, Dubai, my 16-hour flight, I brought all this Western stuff, so it was a month ago. I just wanted to re-acclimate myself with it. Um, they're, they're not, you can't just go in and buy these off, you know, Maybe you can get them off Amazon, but here's the good news. On Comixology, whatever Comixology is doing right now with their digital platform, I read different things about it. They are available to um, download. I, I did kind of gloss over, and some of this stuff is available to download, so you can get some of that. The, those Avengers stories are some of my favorite depictions of these characters. You don't have to know a whole lot. I didn't going in to, to enjoy the way they looked. Get back to, again, visuals, 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 visuals. Kid Colt looks very identical not identical he looks very unique rawhide kid looks very unique two gun kid looks very unique knight rider looks very unique uh very very uh just cool cowboy characters obviously a big cowboy guy and the reason i don't feel like a complete grandpa old man is the result of the 1883 show doing as well as it did being exposed to as many eyeballs as possible and kind of the you know dangerous uh, action that they put forth on the open plains of the wild, wild west. Uh, that's, that's, you know, that just happened last month that just literally just occurred. And, and so it makes it even more, uh, relevant and you look over and you go, the biggest entertainment, you know, entity in the culture has a vast catalog of these cowboy characters. I have said it repeatedly. So I will make this the last time I say it. I would love to see these guys collected and exploited and uh, I am all there for it, and I hope that we get an announcement soon in some manner that they activate their Marvel Western catalog of characters. So I hope I give enough love to the Western heroes of Marvel today because, uh, as you can tell, they had a huge impact on me. I love them. I'd love to see them come back. I think a live-action vehicle is the perfect vehicle for them to come back with. So there you go. Hey, you guys, at the end of every show, and we are at the end of this particular show, uh, we do uh, your reviews, your uh, very generous uh, uh, commentary and reviews that you that you leave for us, that, that I am obviously always very generous uh, in, in the fact that I am able to just, uh, you know, receive these from you guys in any way, shape, or form. The, the 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 five stars, the word of mouth, the actual leaving of the reviews on the platforms matter. It helps us so much. Uh, and, and at the end of every show, I share the things, the really wonderful things that you guys say about us today is from Stereoscopic, S-T-E-R-I-O-S-C-O-P-I-C. His name is Bruce Stereoscopic. Five stars. Thank you, sir. He says he's a new listener. I just discovered your pod about a week ago and have been devouring it. It is awesome how you carry the podcast solo for the most part. All of the other podcasts I listen to are duos or trios. It's so interesting to hear the inside scoop and the behind the curtains stories that you share. The Stanley versus Wally Wood was so riveting. 
in a pocket of the comic book world I had no clue about. Keep up the great work, Rob. Love the podcast. Thank you, Bruce. Hey, thank you, Bruce. No, thank you. Thank you for leaving this. This takes time. This takes effort. I appreciate it so much that you guys put this out in the world, put this on the platform, promote us in the manner that you do. I, I appreciate it so much. This show is built on your word of mouth and on the, uh, the, 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 really the favor that we've been able to find with you guys. So thank you again, all of you. Um, this weekend I'll be at WonderCon. Uh, come see me. It's in Anaheim. If you're in Orange County, Southern California, you want to come down to the show, uh, I will be at the Hot Flips booth. I don't have the exact number, but it's um, uh, check Hot Flips and uh, check my social media. Speaking of social media, and I have a panel on uh, Saturday. I'd love for you to be a part of it. It's at 11 a.m. I am all over social media. On Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld, full name, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. I have a blue check next to my name. I'm telling you that so you know it's really me. I love talking to you. I love your messages, your interactions. Please continue to be generous and, uh, you know, share your thoughts. Talk to me. I love hearing them. I try and, um, you know, uh, give feedback and talk back to you guys as often as I possibly can. On Instagram, I am at Rob Liefeld, same thing, R-O-B-L-I-E-F-E-L-D with a blue check. I love your comments. I love your messages. I love um, all the DMs, you guys. I try and get to all of them. I try and share, tag, whatever you guys um, share with me. I I try and experience it and share it out there with the world. So uh, this this podcast, Rob Observations, Rob Observations with Rob Liefeld has a Facebook page, a dedicated Facebook page. Find it on Facebook or Meta or whatever they're calling and like it. Uh, leave a comment. I will read it. I will get back to you. Um, just thank you for all of the generosity you guys share. This is the part of the show at the end where we commit to each other. We're going to take care of each other. We've been doing this for two years now. We're going to continue. You take care of yourself. You you take the rest you need. Uh, you have a good time with friends. Read a great comic, a great novel. Watch some fun shows, a movie. Uh, whatever it takes for you to let off some steam, to reboot, do it. I am such a... Uh, uh, a proponent for that. I do it myself. So I'm out here. I'm cheering you on. I know you guys are cheering me on and make sure that you circle back to this podcast because we are going to talk again real soon.